Nobody else in the world. Nobody, nobody's opinion matters a pound of coon shit. Nothing. You know, it's only the person. And if we instill those values in young people, then people like me will be out of business. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Ava Letcher. Here on this show, we talk to luminaries from around the world to discuss their journey towards success and what wisdom they have to offer the younger generation. Each episode, we have on a new guest, a new story, and a new path towards personal success. I hope you're ready, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mentors Podcast. Today, we have on Tim Allison. Tim is an entrepreneur who has started and scaled four businesses. At the age of 31, Tim walked away from one of the highest paying sales jobs in the country and moved to a tiny village in Nova Scotia and started an educational software company. Tim is also the host and executive producer of Screw the Naysayers podcast, where Tim and his guests share inspiring stories and practical advice that covers how to overcome adversity, shatter self-limiting beliefs, and how to live the life that you want. Tim is an inspiring and lively individual and has been a mentor to me for many months. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. So let me start by telling, telling you why I think you just, you, you hit upon something really interesting, trying to figure out who people are, because mm. we meet this way and we meet all sorts of people this way in the, you know, in the, in, you know, in the, in the digital world. And one of the things that's really, that I'm really on um, a mission to change right now, just sort of like this week type of thing. Mm. That's really front of set front of mind. Um, I'm getting really pissed off Ava at, at, at the, the, the reality that, in my opinion, online scams have been legitimized, and and I don't I don't mean stupid things like you get a you know a note saying that you've won the lottery or a, a relative you never knew existed has just left you a million dollars. All you have to do is give them your your bank account number. I mean, the, those kind of things we can we can all see through, mm-hmm. but our social media feeds these days are chucked full of people who are being disingenuous. They are not being honest and truthful about, about um, who they are. It usually starts with embellishing the truth a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. It usually starts with, you know, with omissions. Well, I just won't mention a couple of things that, you know, may, uh, do make, because our story is never about solely about all these things we've done well, because you know, at least in my case, most of the big lessons I learned came from things that I didn't do well, you know, or that's where you learn. It's in, oh, the, yeah. in, in the pain and everything. Um, but I'm getting really angry at, 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 at this plethora of people out there selling lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. hire me as your XYZ coach, whatever, insert whatever term you want to put there, you know, LinkedIn life coach or whatever. And I mentor and I now mentor for, you know, for a living for, for mostly for people closer to my age, but, but um, insert that, that whatever that is, and then promise some sort of, well, you two can lie on a beach, sipping, you know, Mai Tais, making a fortune in Bangkok, doing nothing. And it doesn't matter whether you like what you're selling or well, that's not important. As long as you make money and all that kind of stuff. And even if that worked, which most of the time it doesn't work, uh, but even if that worked, who the hell wants to live a life like that? Like, why would you ever want to? And one thing I can promise you, I got a lot of gray hair. I mean, you know, I've got uh, 40 some odd years, more than almost 45 years on you, Ava. And Mm. the one thing I can tell you for sure is that every single human being is going to hit a point in time in their life when 
two things are going to happen. One is they're going to be on this massive search for meaning. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, holy crap, what did I just spend the last 30 years of my life doing? And they're going to be looking in the rearview mirror and they're going to be trying to assess like, if it was just about making money, it's impossible to find meaning in money. Money is uh, an energy that responds to, you know, what you do. It's plentiful, but, but you can't find meaning in it. And that's, uh, there's a lady named uh, uh, Jennifer Aker. I, I wish every young person in the world would look up Jennifer Aker at Stanford University. She's got, there's, there's this little three minute video out there that she's produced on uh, a tiny little article. I'm sure there's a big study, but all you need is that one little video. And she talks about the five stages of happiness. And, and so, I mean, the, the, it's, it's such an important thing because like at the beginning, it's easy to understand happiness at the, you know, when we're in that first stage, it's about, you know, experiencing things. So if we're like five years old or two years old or whatever, it's the first time mom or dad give us an ice cream cone, we get to decide whether we like that or not. And if we do, we smile and that's happiness. We get happy when we get to be teen years. And I say this, you know, with all the respect of a father and much older than you and everything, but you start experimenting at that age with all sorts of other things to find out what you like and what you don't like. That's part of what growing up is all about. Eh? But what's been suddenly happening to most people your age, you're blessed in so many ways because of all the people you get, you've had a chance to interact with. But what's been suddenly happening to most people your age, because it certainly happened to me at your age and just about your, most of your parents and grandparents, everybody, mm -hmm. is that you're taught that happiness is based on other people's validation. So oh, when you yeah. came home from school, um, and again, I mean, let's not talk about super dad there, Don, because, I mean, he's on a different... Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, well, gosh. you could probably tell me all sorts of stuff, and I don't really want to do You'd knock him off his pedestal, and that wouldn't be any fun for me. But, but you know, here's the thing, though, eh? Um, you know, most kids, if they come home from school with a report card that's not very good, we don't exactly get rewarded. Mom and dad don't say, great job, Ava. That D was just awesome. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I know you did your best on that, you know. It's interesting because when Seth Golden was on my show a couple weeks ago, one, one of the things he said, you know, I know you've been so blessed to meet with him in person, but one of the things he said to me, he said, getting an A is simply proof that you managed to comply. He, you know, he would argue that if you're getting all A's, you're probably wasting a lot of your time because, you know, you would rather instead of you focused on getting that A's, you're out experiencing things and learning things and, you know, and all, all of these kind of things. Oh, but yeah. the thing is, is that we get rewarded when other people's expectations and then the next step typically is to go to college because that's the purpose of going to high school is to be able to get into the right college and we've even seen the absurd lengths that people will go to i laughed so hard because seth talked about uh he called it a massive scam put on by the the famous colleges um you know based on based on uh you know fear and tension created around status roles if you don't have the degree from this university or that university, you will never succeed. These doors won't open. And I laughed my head off because like a week later, we're seeing the stupidity of people paying obscene sums of money to buy their way into, a, you know, at a college. Oh, but God. You go, yeah. to college, you go to college and it's the same thing. You know, it's like, well, if your grades are good and the purpose of going to college, of course, is to get a job. So then when you get the job, you know, which, by the way, is not as easy as it used to be. When I graduated, I got to decline job offers. Like I, I was, every single interview I went on as a university graduate, people offered me a job. So I was interviewing you, the employer, to decide if I maybe might be willing to give you a try. I'm being a bit facetious, but the truth of the matter is it was really that crazy, but it's not that way. And it hasn't been that way for a long time. You get the job and it turns out it sucks. 
Now, it might not have nothing to do with the company. Uh, it might, but it probably is more likely that you just didn't have a clue what working in that industry was really going to be like. And now that you're doing it, it's no fun at all, you know. But you don't quit because mom and dad, brother and sister and aunt and uncle and everybody in the world that talks to you says, look, you're doing so well, Eve. I mean, you know, they give you the pat on the back. They say that this is just what life is all about. It's just, it's just like this at the beginning. It's going to get better. Now, I don't know why they say that because they all know that it doesn't get better. Mm-hmm. They all know it doesn't get better. But nobody wants to admit that they're miserable. And nobody wants to admit that they made all these mistakes. So, so this is circling back to, the, you know, to, to those five stages of happiness. The difference about your generation, um, my daughter got it way faster than me. You're 10 years ahead of her. You guys are getting to the, the third and fourth stages at an age when my generation got to in their 40s. And that's pretty awesome. But what, what you're getting to is the third stage is balance. Now, that's not work-life balance. I don't, there is actually no such thing. Like in my, in my opinion, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Like we have this thing called life and what we do with our time is, you know, it's, it's not like, okay, it is, I, you know, if you're, if you have a nine to five job and you clock in and you clock out, but most of us don't, don't exist in that, in that world. But balance means that, you know, there are other things like you care. We were talking before, probably before you started recording, we were talking about environmental change. Yeah. So if that's important, you know, if climate change and everything isn't important to you, then then if somebody offers you a chance to make a ton of money, but it involves doing something that would increase climate change, you're not going to be comfortable doing that. You know, the balance says, well, yeah, I want to make money. I mean, I like money a lot. People sometimes think that I'm, I'm saying you shouldn't work. I, I think you should try and get as much of it as, as is reasonably possible, but do it by, you know, sending out positive energy into the world and then get that energy coming back in the form of money. Um, but don't trade it for things that you don't believe in or that conflict with, you know, any of your core values. My generation just routinely did that. So balance, but the fourth stage, which is where, where people really start to um, experience a lot of pain is meaning. And that is like today when I finish, you know, we finish this conversation, I'll put a little another mental checkbox somewhere, not unconsciously, subconsciously. This was a good thing. I, I've had a chance to talk to a young person. I'm sharing some, some views. I'm trying to enable them and empower them to, to live a life that aligns with the things that they care about. And if you, you collect enough of those things in your lifetime, those are the things you remember. People always want to ask me about my, uh, you know, my, my software company that, you know, um, I quit that high paying job, moved to the middle of nowhere, started a company everybody said would fail, uh, laughed at me. You know, they, mm-hmm. they stop laughing, you know, when sales top 10 million. So everybody says, let's talk about the 10 million. It's an irrelevant number to me. Number one, I don't have $10 million in my bank account. Only an idiot would think that, 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 that you know, that every sale dollar you make goes to the, to, you know, to the owner. Mm-hmm. But I don't look back on all those years. I don't have a single memory associated with, with my 30 years of entrepreneurship. I don't have a single memory associated with a particular financial transaction with a year where I made more money. I don't remember any of that stuff. You know, I remember, you know, years when, when we did good things or, you know, having a new employee join me and, and, and giving them a chance in a rural community to experience things that they had never experienced before. Taking a young person that, you know, that had never been out of this little fishing village and putting them on a plane and sending them to Atlanta to get trained, wow. you know, and, and having them, uh, you know, uh, in a bar with a, um, you know, with a, the CEO of a, of a, of a very large American public company at the time, 
who I was partnered with, going up to him and, and, and saying at the bar, oh, you're Tim's guy, putting his arm around him and buying him a drink. You know, those, and he comes home and I could just see, you know, the, you know, the, the positive impact, you know, it has. Those are the things you remember. And, and so the, the frustration that's off the charts for me is that most people my age, I'm fortunate because, you know, I live in a rural community where honestly most of my friends don't even know what a podcast is, let alone, you know, the chances of them hearing my podcast, let alone yours, is somewhere between zero and zero. Um, but, <laughs> you know, Ava, most of the people at my age are, are either some of the most accomplished actors in the world. In other words, they have been able to put on a facade for 30 or 40 or 50 years that life's great and it sucks. They are not happy. They did not get up in the morning to go to work doing a job that they enjoyed. They came home at the end of work. They were living for the weekend. They came home at the end of the day and went to the fridge to get a cold beer or something, not because it was a beautiful day and they wanted to sit out back, put up their, put their, cross their legs. And, and I love a cold beer on a beautiful day, but they went to get that beer because they were just, oh, another damn day and guzzle it down and all these kind of things. So they're either incredibly accomplished actors or they are, um, have gone even further. When that doesn't work anymore, then they fall into victim mode. Well, that's yes. just what life's all about. You know, there's, never, there's no workaround here, Tim. You, when you want to live in this little fishing village or whatever, what was I supposed to do? You know, I had to do this job. That's just what life's all about. And it's not me. It's not the, I couldn't have done anything about it. It's, it's the, the society inflicting this stuff on me, you know. That's 90%, in my opinion, 90% of the adult population in North America right now. Mm -hmm. And the thing that, that, that most of them don't know, and I know because I hit that fifth stage of happiness, which is the final one that Jennifer talks about, and I moved back from it because I was too young for it. Just, I'm just 61. But the fifth stage is savoring. And mm -hmm. that's when, for the, for the final stages of our life where, where the, our happiness is actually based upon our ability to, to look in the rearview mirror. And that's when, if the meaning has been there, and if we've got enough memories of good conversations like this and others and, and our kids, and, and we've raised them, hopefully, to give them an opportunity for independence and to, you know, to be uh, you know, positive contributors to society and all those kind of things. But you know what? I mean, um, if you get to that stage where your happiness is now based on, on what's in the rearview mirror, it means it's too late to do anything about it, or almost. And this is why most people go to their deathbed with regrets. And they come out right at the very end, like right in those last conscious moments, you know, whenever that starts to happen. And, and that's why I, mean, I, was, I, was, I was savoring. I, I was looking back and I'm, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm a great actor, but I was feeling good. But then I thought, I'm 61. I was 60 at the time. I said, well, I might live another 20 or 30 years. I'm really not ready to base my happiness based on stuff that I've already done yet. Oh, God, so, yeah. So you get back. But most people my age are doing just that. They are mm -hmm. retiring. They're going to the rocking chair or to just, you know, do whatever it is. And, um, and I think that's an enormous, you know, waste too. I mean, I think that we need to live every minute of every day when we have the health and ability trying to, you know, put more, more in that bank. 
you know, of, mm -hmm. of, of things to feel good for. So I didn't give you a chance to ask a single question yet. So. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're completely fine. And yeah, no, I just I loved hearing all of that. And honestly, there's so much to talk about because when you started talking about, you know, the concept of the five stages of happiness and, you know, living your life to the fullest, the first thing that came to mind for me, well, okay, there was a couple of things that came to mind for me yeah. is first, I have the book right by my um, desk oh. and it's Victor Frankl's Hi. Man's Search for Meaning. I talk about yep. this book a lot fascinating book and it really in it, it's a hard hard book to read not because you know literary wise it's tough but it's it's you know living in the concentration camp and finding meaning in in hell essentially and it was it but you but it can be found it can always be found this meaning and then another thing that came to mind was this beautiful video um based, it's called this channel called after school and uh they take video they take audio clips from different places and one of them was oh i forget it was like some professor but it was called life is not a journey um no. And, you know, life, life wasn't a journey. He's, you know, this, this guy, he's talking about how, you know, life is essentially playful and it's, you know, it's a musical thing and life and life is a dancing thing. So, you know, when you, when you play the piano, you say, I play the piano, you don't work the piano. And when you, when you dance, there's no point to dancing. There's no spot in the room you have to get to. The point of dancing is to dance. And yeah. the point of life is to live life, but yeah. no one does that. And everyone thinks, you know, that, you know, seriously, like every, I can even remember in third grade how scared I was to not pass the I-step, which is like a standardized test in, in Indiana. I was so scared in third grade not to pass it because I thought if I didn't pass third grade, if I didn't pass I-step in third grade, that the great thing that everyone was telling me was coming yeah. wouldn't come. You know, I wouldn't get into that, you know, I wouldn't get into that, uh, that college and I wouldn't have a good job if I failed the third grade. And it was, it was scary, but at the same time, you know, I, you know, now I come to realize that that thing, you know, doesn't matter. And the great thing that is coming will never come. And everyone like yeah. their whole life, that great thing, it's coming, it's coming. And usually that's the midlife crisis of, you know, I've arrived, <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't feel, but I don't feel very different. And then, you know, you just, you collect and you go into retirement and you, you know, go in your savings and usually, yeah, on your deathbed, you're like, huh, I think I just yeah. didn't, I wasn't alive. I just lived, yeah. you know, like, you know, and that's a sad truth. Yeah. And it's, it's just wonderful to hear you talking about it and reading about it and everything else. Because I mean, that when I was growing up, there just, that just wasn't, there was no vocabulary around that. My parents couldn't relate to that. You see, they came from a time of scarcity too. We have to remember, like, you know, I'm old enough so that my parents actually were born um, in the years, um, uh, well, actually, yeah, actually were born before the Great Depression. So oh. they were children during the years of the Great Depression. You know, my dad had far less than, you know, than my mom. But regardless, you know, it, 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 you know when you see people in destitute, you know, stages and stuff like that um and 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 very very few people my my mother did go to university but very very few people in of that generation went to university so there was this massive desire for our, their kids to have more to have more money to have more education to not have they thought that that was the solution the way our kids get a life that's different than the one we have is we send them to college or university we call them university in Canada or you tend to say more college there, but south of the border. But, you know, that was supposed to be the answer. And of course, it, for a short period of time, it actually was in terms of income, you know, and, and I could still make it. There's still an argument right now when you look at those stats. But I mean, I think that's all going to be out the window very, very soon. Oh, it does, yeah. I'm not against education. I and mean, it really depends 
like, you know, I know people that are crazy wicked interested in science and stuff like that. They may, you know, create the next, um, you know, I don't know, some, some major advance in science. And there's tremendous logic for them gathering with other fellow weird people that get off on that stuff and, and you know, and working on that kind of stuff. But I wish I could share with, you know, with you some of the things I hear off the air from people that have actually got, um, um, won't name the person, won't name the university, but somebody I recently talked to who went back, um, had been in military service, came out and before he transitioned out, he went to a major, major named university on the West Coast, um, got a master's in business administration and, and did get a great job out of it, which he hated, then quit. Um, but he just flat out told me, he said, total complete waste of money. And he started rhyming off he said they used to get together as a group and wait for the, the stupid things the, the tenured professors were going to say, the racist things they were going to say, the ignorant things they were going to say, the kind of things that in the private sector, or if you were dumb enough to you know, put it out on something like this, would have serious consequences. But in that crazy little world, once you got this word tenure behind you, which was designed to allow for academic freedom, now mm -hmm. it's being used to, as an absolute abuse of privilege to, number one, do a lousy job, never try and get any better at what you're doing. And if you want to promote hatred or whatever, go right ahead and do it. There's no consequences. I mean, what happened in New Zealand just a few days ago from when you and I are talking anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with leaders going out and spewing this kind of garbage out there about, you know, as if one human life is less valuable than another and all those kind of things. But this is what, you know, what, what people are, are, you know, are, are hearing about in those, in, in, for the most part, in those institutions. And there's almost nothing that you want to learn that you can't get for either for free or for a modest amount of money on this thing called the World Wide Web. The problem, the biggest problem your generation has with the, we have it, but it's a big, much bigger problem for you guys because of your stage of life, is that, and I don't have an exact stat here, the stat I've seen, I just can't get a solid attribution for it, but something like 80 to 90% of the content on the World Wide Web has been produced in the last three years. I think it's just, when you think of it, the day, it's data. And every time, this is data. Like, there's so much stuff being put out there. The difficulty is, is that when you think back, and, you know, I, if you've spent a number of years at a, you know, in a school system, how much time did they teach you, um, spend teaching you discernment? Like, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when we surveyed, I had a lovely university co-op student working for me last summer when I was first launching this business. And I had Samat do a survey of... Uh, uh, business students, fourth-year business students in Canada from coast to coast. I mean, uh, perhaps only 50 people, you know, responded, so a, a very modest number, but from institutions from coast to coast, all young men and women, mostly women, that were hoping to start their own business when they graduated, and I, I wanted her to ask what was, what could we do to help them? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because they didn't actually answer that question. They, they mostly just came back with and said, we don't know who to trust. Mm -hmm. There is so much information out there we don't know who to trust, you know, and, and, you know, and this is where, you know, back to what we talked about a little earlier, this is where, you know, I think we've got to start calling people out and we may need to start calling people out by name. You know, mm -hmm. I, if that's not in my DNA, I don't like to do that. I've always, you know, believed that, you know, what you do is you communicate your own truth and, 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 but you know what, there, there's massive harm that it's being done in our society when people are, are saying things that aren't truthful, you know, and, and we have, uh, I, I remember talking, Ron Malhotra is another, you know, one of the most amazing human beings that I've ever met. Uh, 
Um, uh, I think he's, uh, you know, 20 years behind Seth, but I believe he's in age, but I think he's a similar brain. I really do. He's in Australia. But he was talking about, he's in his early 40s, but he has like a six or seven year old daughter. And he was talking about how important it is for him and his wife to teach his, their daughter that you guys have the power to decide what you're going to take on. If I tell you, you know, Christianity is a bad faith or, you know, the Muslim faith is evil or they're all out to kill people or Catholicism is bad or, you know, or, or white people are green. I mean, I could tell you anything. The problem is, nobody, you know, for most people, we're not taught that we don't have to accept that. Even if this person appears to have some position of status or something like that, and the internet creates false status because we can sort of create this image. Yeah. We, we don't have to believe you. Mm -hmm. We don't have to accept what you're saying. Well, it's even just like curiosity. You know what I mean? Like, and I was talking about this with a um, new, a new beta student of mine. And I was like, well, are you ever curious about things? And what I mean, curiosity, I mean like, yeah, you have that wonder in your eyes and you want to explore the world, but also curious, the curiosity of, and your teacher says two plus two equals six. You go, I don't know. Cause yeah. I thought about it and I think it might be four and you know, it questioning things is so important. And then, you know, you're completely right. Like we're not really taught that nowadays. And not only that, like not a lot of people my age, especially want to think that way as well. You know, so it's really oh, difficult because people are like, well, well it's, hard. Hmm? It's, it's hard. It is. <laughs> here's the, here's the, here's the thing that you're about to experience. You already are, but you know, you got no idea what you're in for either because you're on, you are, um, I'm going to use a word that's much abused um, because people claim to be thought leaders all the time and 99% of them are not thought leaders. You are an emerging thought leader. Um, you are already, and, and in time you are going to be producing very original thought, not just things you've learned from other people, but it's going to be your own, you know, original thought. But the part that, you know, I'm going to forewarn you on is that that's a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. The blessing is that, that you, you're, going, you're being gifted with an opportunity to, to influ, in, influence humanity, impact humanity, not influence, impact humanity in a way that you, you know, was, I don't think, ever before possible just because of the ways we can communicate. Mm -hmm. But the curse of it is, is, is it's really hard intellectual work. You know, mm -hmm. This is not about memorizing facts. It's not about getting an A or any of those kind of things. It's the really hard process of, you know, of analyzing things. I had a lady on, and um, I, I, yeah, her episode just published, uh, went live recently, but it's really, she's a supermodel. So you'd think, what is Eugenia Cosmina going to teach us you know, about, about this kind of stuff? Because people just see a, a big, tall, dumb blonde. I mean, she even, she had a post up the other day on her social media thing saying, blondes can read too. And I just laughed my head off, you know, because she was <laughs> a play of her in this. But here's the thing, Eugenia grew up in post-Soviet Russia. And the reason I thought of her is because you, you, you gave the example of two plus two equals six. Well, she said, here I was in post-Soviet Russia and things were changing fast. Like textbooks were, textbooks were literally being rewritten on the spot. And a lot of the stuff she was hearing just didn't add up. It didn't make sense. Um, and her life was pretty uncomfortable because she just, you know, people just said she's a rebel. She doesn't want to fit in. She doesn't want to comply. She's just questioning. It's your curiosity you're talking about. Mm -hmm. She's literally just saying, I really, that doesn't sort of make sense to me. Mm -hmm. You can explain it to me again if you want, but I, I'm just choosing not to accept that just because you say this, you know, that it's true. And so I think if we start thinking about 
skills that, you know, with your ment you know, the mentees, mentors, whatever, the, all these lovely people that are blessed enough to work with you. I mean, you know what you're, you know, you, you got this, but I, I would so suggest that you talk about, um, about having the power to decide what information you're going to take on board. Mm -hmm. I, I believe another thing that we, and this is going to cause some controversy, but an, another thing that I, I would at least encourage you to research. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe quite strongly that we are under, underestimating and we're doing a tremendous dis disservice to people that are suffering from anxiety and, and mental health issues and stuff like that because we keep re repeating a victim mentality. We keep oh, yeah. saying, Ava, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Well, it's not a question of fault. But then the next thing we do is we say, Ava, we got this little bottle and it's got chemicals in it. And what it'll do is it'll trick your mind into thinking differently. Mm -hmm. So even though you're, you're anxious about something, it'll convince you that you're not. Okay. There's, there's, aside from the obvious you know, problem with that. Now, I'm not an, a doctor. I'm not saying that if people are in really dark places that there isn't a, a role for this. I am saying that there's a massive over-reliance on, on chemically trying to trick our brain. Um, again, this is something that Ron, uh, uh, Ron Malhotra uh, you know, brought to my attention, but I love the way he said it. I mean, mm -hmm. if you think you're not that far removed from being the kind of, you know, being a, a teenage girl, teenage girls are known on occasion to have temper tantrums. Uh. <laughs> get a little upset about things, eh? And the same thing would be true. Yeah, exactly. But the same thing would be true about, uh, um, you know, I, I, I'll use a younger example, but the same thing would be true about a four-year-old child. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll throw temper tantrums and stamp their feet and everything else, eh? Mm -hmm. I'll go back to the ice cream analogy. Take the child in that moment, walk up to them and hand them an ice cream cone and see how long it takes them for them to reset their mind. Mm -hmm. They know, and, and they don't just know, they simply do it. We are, every single one of us is born with the, the ability to reset our mind. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm furious. That boy did said something to me that was scandalous, spread rumors, whatever the heck it is. I'm disgusted with that person, okay? And they can really tick you off. But you and everybody else in this world has a, a, an inborn ability to click reset. Oh, the definitely. Problem is, the problem is we train it out of our kids the day they start to go to school. Because we stop telling them that they have that power. In fact, we tell them that, that what they need to do is comply. And that, that you don't, if, you know, if I say you should be sad, you should be sad. I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but so we've got everybody's just so anchored in neg negativity. And I don't believe that a 25-year-old person that's suffering from anxiety, that, that the first default should be to a bottle of pills or a bottle of booze or whatever. I mean, because that's the way so many other people have gone to it. It's the wrong, even worse, maybe, or may I don't know which is worse to be honest. Mm -hmm. But we've got to, you need to, to, to be empowering young women today to realize you've got way more strength up here than anybody's ever told you. And just because somebody upsets you, you can go for a walk, you can look at that big hawk through your window or the raccoons peering in or whatever, and say, I choose, mm -hmm. I choose not to be upset about this. Everybody has the ability to reset their minds and you have the ability to tap into an enormous amount of mental strength. That is definitely something to ponder on until part two of this interview, which comes out tomorrow. Be sure to stay tuned for so much more wisdom and thoughtfulness from Tim Allison.